Hi, Chris. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the 10 Minute Design Chat. Thank you very much. Let's talk about party games. Woohoo! Nothing raises the spirits like a good party. And for us board gamers, that goes double for party games. D- do you like to party, Chris? Are you, are you, a, are you a party animal? Um, I am an animal of the party. <laughs> what 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 kind of animal are we talking here? Um, kind of maybe a koala bear. Oh. Or if I'm getting really feisty, like a, a mongoose. A mongoose. Mm. I'm imagining you as like a koala bear because you're like latching onto a really good conversation and like you know and they they love it. They literally just are like the most like fluffy person ever. I, I would be a unicorn personally because I'm majestic and I can't help but stick me stick me horn in in all these sort of uh, what's going on, but. In that case, knowing that there's two party animals on it, you're going to love today's show because we are going to be cracking out the champagne. I'm already done in my finest. And, uh, and we're going to take a little deep dive into the party theme. Excellent. I will, uh, I will get my boombox and we will, we will party into the new millennium. I may be a few years behind on my uh, party planning expertise, you may have noticed. <laughs> into the new millennium. And talking of things for party planning and helping with party planning, I've brought something with me today, Rob. Can you oh, see yeah. this huge sci-fi looking uh, gun type thing? Yeah, it looks like one of those things you blow and it's like... Like a Vuvuzela. That's the one. <laughs> You might think it's a Vuvuzela. This is actually a party inverter beam. Have you come across one of those before, Rob? I can't say I have, no. (laughs) It has a very specific job. So what it does um, is it turns all of the games that you play at parties into food. And it turns all of the food into games. Right. So what you need to describe to me for your party that you're planning is... um, what kind of game-themed food is there going to be? And what kind of food-themed games are there going to be? So... There's going to be that ring throw uh, game, you know, when there's like the like hoops that you have to throw Quince, on. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. But right now it's called party rings because that's exactly what the food's going to be. It ain't oh, a party yes. without, without party rings. Um, and I think that then we're going to have uh, a Quacks of Quedlinburg fondue bubbling frothing you know come along you get to stick like these fakes like spiders in there and these fake like little witchetty grubs in there and i think for uh, another game one we would have <laughs> i don't know why this is such a bad idea but i was thinking of like a game where you could have cocktail sausages i might need your help on this one chris what would we do a game, with a game where you use cocktail sausages in the game yeah 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 100 percent. i feel like it's like a dexterity game with the most rubbish shape to ever stack in the whole world. It's like, who can make... It's called Sausage Stack. Oh, Sausage Stack. And you have stacker. to use mashed potato to uh, to stick the sausages <laughs> together. And whoever can make the tallest sausage tower wins. See, I'm just thinking of this, like, big... You know that game that's like Big Mouth, where you like put something in your mouth and it stretches it open? Like, you have to wear that and everyone has to throw these sausages into it. <laughs> Wow. That is a that is a choking hazard. Absolutely. Kids, don't do this. Ten plus at least. And the last food I have would be a Twilight Imperium banquet table. Like you don't know anything. Like there's no idea what you're eating. Everything is so obtuse. Everything has like so many different ingredients in it. And you have to to start at one end and work your way to the other end it takes between six and seven hours depending on how many other people are at the feast it's an unending banquet it never ends like it on, keeps a, going. on a circular table where you just keep going around <laughs> it's forever. like a lazy season 
that sounds like a party I want to be at, and I'm going to bring my party inverter beam next time I come to yours. That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) So we've kind of technically talked about this a little in the past few minutes, but what to you, Rob, makes a party game? Is it how many people are playing? Is it where you're playing it? Is it how complex it is? Or is it the decibel level while you're playing? Is it that if it's rowdy, it's a party game? What would you say? Do you know, I actually would probably say out of everything that you've just highlighted, it's not an exact science, but my one that I would say is for the best party game is the decibel level during play. (laughs) I feel like if people are making, you know, screaming noises, they're giggling, they're sort of like, you know, they're getting a bit sort of mouthy with each other, you know, there's a lot of, like, action in that sense. I think that that, for me, is when you've really found, like, you've nailed a really good party game. Which is interesting, because obviously a lot lot of board games make a lot of noise when they play all games, so it's a specific kind of noise, and it's like, it's the oohs and the ahs, rather than the hmm, head-scratching kind of thing. Is the canned laughter, but the canned kind of excitement noises that you'd press on a soundboard in a studio recorded sitcom. Yeah, it's like a live sitcom situation. Like, I think uh, that's that's my biggest sort of marker. But usually, I would say party games aren't particularly complex, and I think that's because the one of the best things about a sort of the party game theme uh, and genre is that it's accessible. Um, you know, um, it's something that, and by that I mean especially to people who don't play board games. Um, I love party games because they are some of the games that I always get to play because there's always somebody that's happy to play them. Whereas if I try and slam down like Eclipse or Viticulture in front of like my sisters, it's just not really going to happen. So, <laughs> whereas if I whoop out uh, like Anomia or Don't Get Got or uh, even Tinderblocks, for example, like they're like, yeah, that's great because it's simple, easy to get in. Um, what about you, Chris? What to you is like the key part of a party game? The player count definitely plays a part in it. A lot of them you can play at lower player counts, but you tend to think of, you know, if you want to play a game with six people or more, you know, a a group of people, you're going to be thinking about party games in general. So I think that's part of it. I also think cost. Now, I don't know if this is because they're simpler games, they have less components, therefore they cost less. Or actually this is that people who are going to buy this kind of game, it's more of a mass market thing. And actually, so they tend to be on the more reasonable side for games. And I think that that plays a part in it too. So you probably wouldn't find a party game that's like 60 quid. I don't yeah. imagine. I can't yeah. think of one. Unless it was a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to be going to a lot of parties. Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. To get, <laughs> you just be hosting loads of parties just to invite people over for it. I think another big part of party games, and you made a good point when you said like player count, is, I mean, I've never really played a solo party game now that's not to say that i've not played solo games that feel like party games but when they're with other people and i think that that's the key part like a party uh is i mean god this is where all the board game design stuff leaks out into the real world i was about to say like a real party is full of player interaction (laughs) you gather resources from like the buffet table (laughs) and then you use it to energize the the keys in that really um the more players not necessarily like loads of players but like i do definitely think like the more players the more player interaction the fun of that player interaction the more of a party game it is um, so yeah, I think that it's it's usually down sort of those routes. Like I say, solo party games, I've never really encountered them. But what are some of your faves, Chris? 
Oh, that's a good question. Again, it always depends on who I'm playing with. Um, I've had a few people ask me for recommendations for this kind of thing recently, and ones I come back to are generally things like, I always like to like give a party game, but give one that's kind of drifting into the hobby space. So a fake artist goes to New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, is one that I would choose for people who like that kind of Pictionary vibe. Um, things like people who like word games, who maybe like charades and things like that. Things like Just One. Yes. Uh, where they're kind of word guessing games, that kind of thing. Dixit, that kind of comes into party game kind of yeah, interpretation, actually. bluffing, that kind of thing, I think will come into it. They'd be some of my top ones I'd recommend to, to new party game players. Yeah, I think as well, like, that's an interesting point you sort of touched on there, is that you've, you've, you've sort of labelled quite a few different sort of styles of games, and I quite like that about party games, because they, they, you know, if you like wordy party games, then you might like games like Anomia, which is one where you have to say the word on the other person's like an example of the word on the other person's card and it just the term anomia is like basically brain fog and uh and it's super funny because it's like simple things really simple answers you're just like brain blank can't answer uh i am i am become robot um or like bananagrams which is just party scrabble like um but then also you know when it comes to slower paced party games which are still party games like dixit you, you mentioned uh, werewolf for example is one yeah. that you might do for a while those kind I, of social ones social deduction type games 100 percent. and one of my favorite party games is one that i don't think most people really know too much but shut up and sit down i did an awesome review of it called six zex nimpt is the german word but um it's like a six nimpt i don't know how you spell that but um it's a really simple numbers one and it's basically like betting for parking spaces that you don't know how much space is going to be in the car park uh, is the way I would describe it. And uh, it's one of those games that I've played that like 30 times and it is, it goes up to 10 players and it is an absolute raucous game. It's full of like you thinking you're so smart and then actually finding out that you have really messed up. So yeah, I feel like those are some really good examples. As we sort of close the episode out, I've got a question for you, Rob. A quandary, can you rescue a dull party with a good game? Or is a fun party a prerequisite for a good, enjoyable party game? You can rescue a dull party with a good game. I actually, I I will 100% on that. Like, there have been many a times where I've been hanging out with some friends and it's just been, everyone's a bit low energy or it's been a busy week or whatever. And it's kind of like, you know, there's nothing really necessary I want to talk about. I've got the energy or focus for that. And like whipping out a game, just giving people something to focus on uh, has definitely turned around so many potentially dull parties i think if you are looking for a game that is an instant fun hit to engage like to literally i would say facilitate a party don't get got is the one like it's it's just it makes people do weird things and like act funnily to each other and there's this constant backdrop of like is this the game or are they just doing this just because it's conversation and it just spices everything up but it's kind of like a background game i absolutely think that a dull party can be pumped up with a good game and a good party can only be made better with a good game so that brings us to a close rob but before we end the episode have you got any final thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, so party games are simple in nature to design, like to design, but they, you know, they ultimately can require a lot of playtesting with a big group of people. But one thing that I definitely have encountered is that you might be making a game that's a party game already. 
Um, I found that with Tinderblocks. I was designing it for my gamer friends, so I was adding all these crunchy points and combo things and all this sort of stuff and, and more rules, basically. Um, but ultimately, the thing I realized is that everybody was just having a party-style fun. The decibel levels were high. And so it took me a while to realize that I have not designed a strategic reverse Jenga game, I've designed a party game. And, uh, and who knows, you might find that actually when you're sort of designing your crunchy game that actually there's some elements that people are just having way more fun with, like maybe it's worth leaning into them. Perfect. And uh, something for us to chew over as we end the episode. So I'm going to say bye, Rob. I'll see you at boardgamebud.com. And I will say goodbye to you, Chris. I'll see you at 10minutedesignchallenge.co.uk. Thank you. This has been a 10-minute design chat on party games. Thank you very much for tuning in. And is your game a party game in disguise?